Welcome back to our Hinduism 101 series. What reminders do we have to help us realize who we are? How do we develop a relationship with God? With what attitude should we approach learning about Hinduism? Let's listen in on this next episode of the Hindu 101 series as Vivekji provides answers to these questions. Ario, greetings from Niagara Falls. The cracks that humanity is facing right now, financially, medically, racially, has not been seen for the past 75 years since World War II. Everyone agrees? Why is this cracking happening? We are immersed in objective sciences, like economics. Objective sciences cannot build up enough strength to deal with the challenges that we're all facing right now. Sharing this more simply, we keep building up power without building up the responsibility to direct that power. Is there a use of that power then? If the one who's driving that power is irresponsible. This is the need for a subjective science. A subjective science focuses on character, builds up responsibility so that as outer power grows, more money, more hospitals, more people, There's a use to all of this. Investing in a short term, investing in an objective science is short term. You can get a business degree in four years. You can get a medical degree in 10 years. Investing in a subjective science is long term. How many years does it take to become patient? (laughs) How many years does it take to become loving. It's not years, it's lifetimes, correct? (laughs) This comparison between objective sciences and subjective sciences reminds me of what Sheila reminds me of. I'm enjoying meaningful mornings a lot. I think some of you are too. And she'll always remind me, you know this is my idea, right? (laughs) So then I remind her Nobody prays to Bhagavan Brahma. Everyone prays to to Bhagavan Vishnu. It's very easy to come up with an idea. It's very easy to create. (laughs) But to facilitate that, that's not easy, correct? So having more power is easy, but the responsibility behind that power is not. This requires an investment, and that's what we're doing. Show me with your hands. How many birthdays do you have every year? Five, three, zero. Nobody ever celebrates my birthday. (laughs) We have 
In the past, I've shared three, but I'm going to open this up to four. More celebrations. <laughs> Your first birthday, and this is the least important, is the birth of a shisha. A shisha is one who is serious about happiness. In English, the word shisha is disciple. And what word is associated with disciple? Discipline. Hence the seriousness. Everyone wants to be happy, but who is ready to engage in disciplines to be happy? So that is your first birthday. That's what's on your passport. If you were born in India, you have multiple <laughs> biological birth dates. You can just pick one of them, okay? <laughs> your next birthday <clears throat> is of your Sadhguru. This we typically celebrate in July, like we did yesterday. Vyasa Purnima, Guru Purnima. A Sadhguru is one who shows you not with words so much as actions, that converting values to virtues is possible. We read a lot about this person lived cheerfully, this person lived dedicatingly, but we still feel that that's fiction. But then you come to see someone live like that, this possibility is quite inspiring. Your third birthday of the Shastra. This is typically celebrated in December as Gita Jayanti. We don't know when Ramayana was written in terms of a specific date. We do know that Bhagavan Krishna began teaching Prince Arjuna on a specific date. So typically in, in December. The Shastra shows us how, how we can be like our Sadhguru. Your fourth birthday is Bhagwan's birthday. Now Bhagwan doesn't have a birthday, but we project that birthday. And this typically is celebrated in March, sometimes February, as Mahashivratri. And Bhagavan is the icon of happiness. So Shishya wants, is serious about happiness, and they go through this system to be like Bhagavan, who is the icon of happiness. If you analyze these four birthdays, They're every season, winter, spring, summer, fall, how beautifully creation, the calendar is in sync for us to keep on remembering why we are born. As you rise from Shishya to Sadhguru to Shastra to Bhagavan, what is happening it's almost like you're increasing yourself to infinity. 
A shishya is this close to infinity. The Sadguru more, the Shastra more, Bhagavan more. That's our trajectory to infinity where there is no birthday. That will be the focus of today's class, class number five on infinity. But before we get to that, I want us to be totally clear about Bhagavan. So I'm going to revisit that. Traditionally, when one goes and studies in an ashram, and you go to the ashram when you're six years old, <laughs> our Balavir students, right? They go to classes for 60 minutes a week. When you're six years old, you go for 12 years, residentially. And when you go to the ashram, you go carrying dry wood. This is called samitpani. In your hands, you have this dry wood, like kindling wood. And you bring that <coughs> to the ashram, to the sadguru. And what this shows is that your mind is dried of worldliness, of dependencies. You are ready for your mind to be lit up by fire. The fire of knowledge. Why fire is special in Sanatana Dharma? Some specialties. Fire always rises. Correct? Fire never goes sideways. And if it is going sideways, it's because of wind. But naturally, fire rises. We should be the same way. Fire is known to be uninsultable. If you put, see, I have a copy of Bhagavad Gita in front of me. If I put that into a fire, does that fire smile more? Look, look, I burn Bhagavad Gita. <laughs> if you put garbage into fire, does it say, no, I'm not going to burn this? If we want to go from Shisha to Bhagavan, we have to keep moving higher. We have to be uninsultable. That's a fine quality. And one more observation about fire. For those who have gone through a Vedic Vivaha, you make so many promises during a Vedic Vivaha. And who's witnessing that? It's not the Pujari. He's not paying attention. <laughs> All your family members are waiting for dinner. <laughs> it is Agni or fire that is the witness. And as I mentioned, this Agni or fire keeps on going higher, transfers that promise to Bhagavan. That this couple has made this oath, this Sankalpa. So make sure you enforce that. With this readiness, we can come to appreciate Bhagavan. Bhagavan is Bhagavan, the one who is virtuous times infinity. Addition to Bhagavan's virtue. One who is worldly-minded finds fault in Bhagavan. Look at Bhagavan Krishna, so many wives. Look at Bhagavan Rama. He didn't know how to treat Vali. 
Bhagwan is virtuous. And just because we can't appreciate that doesn't mean that Bhagwan is not virtuous. To help us reach Bhagwan, Bhagwan has four facets. From surface to depth, Nama, Rupa, Guna, Dhamma. The first way to be with God is through God's name. In Sanatana Dharma, Japa is important. Deeper than that is Rupa, Bhagavan's form. For those in Vedanta and Bhagavata, there's endless descriptions of Bhagavan's form to captivate us. Deeper than that is Bhagavan's gunas. As I mentioned, gunas like Bhagavan is the most responsible, the most wise, the most compassionate. And deeper than that is dhamma, where Bhagavan lives. And objectively, Bhagavan lives in Vrindavan, let's say Bhagavan Krishna, or Kailasha, Bhagavati Parvati. We are not professors of Sanatana Dharma. We are practitioners. So where does God live? Where should you feel God lives? In you, exactly. The Dharma is to be you. Everyone's with me so far? I started off today's class emphasizing the subjective science is what will seal the cracks in humanity. I went on to our four birthdays. Each birthday is increasing in infinity. To be ready to practice Sanatana Dharma, you have to be like fire. And now I explain the four facets of Bhagavan. These four facets are for you to develop a relationship with your God in a very personal way. Some of you are studying this course with your spouse, with your kids, with your parents. If I asked all of you, which Bhagavan is your favorite? I'm sure all of you have different favorites, correct? Because you have that personal relationship. Like soon, I'm sure <coughs> Vyasa will tell Shuka, Hanumanji can beat up your Ganeshji. <laughs> And that's, I'd be so happy if they said that because they have that personal relationship, right? Now, for those who don't have this bhava, this idea of a relationship with God, another word for Bhagavan is Ishvara. Ishvara. And this is what I wanted to add to Bhagavan, this detail. Ishvara means the one who rules. Rules from top down. And the elaboration of Ishwara is the one who is the creator, conserver, and controller. We often reference this by the Trimurti, Brahma, Vishnu, Mahesh, the creator, conserver, controller, 
With Ishvara, there's less personality. What is Ishvara's nama or rupa or guna or dhamma? You typically only have the guna, the creator, conserver, the controller. So this is more impersonal. You can have a personal relationship with God or an impersonal relationship. The important point is that there's less separation between you and Bhagavan or Ishvara. Those who have a personal relationship, those who have an impersonal connection, that closeness, that oneness is to be felt. That's the aspiration. If you enjoyed what you heard or want to learn more, share this episode with a friend or find us online at facebook.com slash cmniagara. For those on the journey of self-development, Chinmaya Mission Niagara provides a community forum for seekers to listen, reflect, and contemplate. This podcast is produced by the Young Adults of Chinmaya Mission, an international nonprofit working to transform individuals through the knowledge of Vedanta. Until next time, inspire, love, be.